I spoke to this priest in my parish, a man I knew very well, and I tried to tell him about it, and uh, his answer was that um, it was probably my fault. From America Media, I'm Maggie Van Dorn, and this is Deliver Us, a podcast about the sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church and where we go from here. This is our third mini-episode, and it centers on Mari Collins, an Irish survivor who would go on to become an advocate for victims of sexual abuse and to serve on the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors at the Vatican. But today... I want to focus on her story of abuse and how it altered the course of her life. Like the others in this series, this episode includes descriptions of child sexual abuse and is disturbing to listen to. If you haven't yet listened to episode five, please start there. The Reverend Serene Jones teaches us how to listen well and take good care of ourselves in the process. Up to the time I was 12, I had a fairly routine Catholic upbringing. I was a child of the 50s, pre-Vatican II, so everything was very black and white. We were taught about mortal sins and venial sins. We went to Mass on a Sunday, confession on a Saturday. I took it for granted, my religion, because it was the norm. Um, The church was part of everyday life. I believed everything I had been taught. I believed in... uh, church and the the rules of the church and in the faith and the doctrine was just part of my being, you know. While Mari's Catholic upbringing wasn't unusual, the circumstances of her abuse were. Because it didn't happen in a church. It took place in a hospital. I went into hospital. I needed an operation and it was my first time away from home. And, you know, a 13-year-old child today is very worldly-wise. When you go back, this was 1960, so when you go back then, I was still very much a child. I had no knowledge of anything in the way of sex education or anything like that, so I was very innocent. And I was quite scared being in hospital away from family for the first time. You were allowed a visit of one hour a day, and my mother used to come in for one hour a day in the afternoon, and that would be the only time I would have any visitors. She was quite worried about me being away from home and obviously undergoing an operation. The hospital was run by nuns and it was a Catholic hospital and the chaplain of the hospital was a young priest. He was only about a year out of the seminary. And uh, he befriended me and my mother was very pleased about that because she felt that uh, I had someone looking out for me when she wasn't there. And uh, I felt very, I suppose, very happy about the fact that he'd made me sort of his special friend. But unfortunately, he was an abuser and uh, he used the opportunity he had to sexually assault me. I was in a, a single room and he would come in in the evening and he would read to me because I had had an operation on my arm and I, I couldn't hold a book. But that was his excuse for coming into me at night. And uh, he sexually abused me and then he took indecent photographs I tried, obviously, to prevent him doing the things he was doing. 
But he constantly told me he was doing nothing wrong and that I was a priest and I should know a priest couldn't do wrong. And unfortunately, a child of that time and that age, I agreed with his thinking that he was a priest, so he, it couldn't be wrong what he was doing, but it felt so wrong that um, I felt the guilt and I, I came out of that hospital feeling. I was only there three weeks, but uh, it changed my life. I came out a very different child. I, I had no confidence. I had a feeling about myself of worthlessness and feeling of guilt and dirtiness and the, the things that all survivors will, most survivors will tell you. I, I didn't want anyone to know what had happened. It wasn't that I, people say, why didn't you say anything? I really didn't want people to know what I had done because I thought it was something that I had caused, you know. So um, it caused me great problems with my life for many, many years after that. I bottled it all up inside and the problem was trying to keep that inside and keep people at a distance. I sort of turned in on myself and by the time I came to 16 or 17 I was beginning to receive treatment for anxiety and I was hospitalized at 17 for very severe anxiety. Obviously no one knew what the cause was and uh, I wasn't able to give them the reason because by that time I had sort of pushed everything down, trying not to think about it, but of course it was coming back as anxiety. And over the next 20 years I suffered very severe depression. I was hospitalised nine or ten times with very severe depression. Uh, I had three or four years of agoraphobia where I couldn't really leave my house without having panic attacks. And I pushed everyone away from me really. I was very lucky. I did get married in my 20s and I had a son. but. For many, many years, I would think that they would be better off without me, my husband and son, because I felt I wasn't any use as a wife or a mother. And uh, I often thought when I was really depressed that they would be just so much better off if I wasn't around. My husband supported me so much and we got through those years, but I never told him anything about the abuse at all or anybody else, nobody. It was something I kept completely to myself. 25 years after it happened, in 1985, I was being treated by a doctor who actually sent me to a psychoanalyst, and I thought that was very strange at the time. But he talked to me a lot about my childhood, and he actually uncovered the abuse, and I began to speak about it. And he told me I should go and tell somebody in the church. And I did. I went to a priest in my parish and I sat down. It was very, very difficult because I'd only spoken to the doctor, nobody else. And I spoke to this priest in my parish, a man I knew very well. And I tried to tell him about it. And his answer was that um, it was probably my fault. And I was now forgiven for what I had done. I had tempted this poor priest and uh, I could go away now and forget about it because I was forgiven. Unfortunately, that response, the effect it had on me, was to totally shatter me completely. I had just begun to believe that I'd been abused and it wasn't my fault, when I had all my prior beliefs about it being my fault and being guilty completely um, backed up by this priest. So I didn't go back to the doctor and I just buried it all again. I spent another 10 years before I spoke about it again. And in those 10 years, I continued to have the panic attacks and the depression. And I couldn't hold down a job or a career for about 30 years. I had to stop work in my 20s. 
But in 1995, there was a high-profile case here in Ireland of an abusing priest. In fact, our government fell over it because they didn't extradite him. And at that time, I began to realise that the priest who had abused me might still be abusing children. I think that was the first time that really got through to me. And that was when I made a determined effort. I reported my abuse to the hospital where it happened and to my diocese. The diocese didn't answer me for a long time, and eventually they did take my report, but they protected the priest. And for the next two years, I was cooperating with the police, but the diocese wouldn't cooperate with the police. And it turned out afterwards that this man, this priest, my abuser, he had um, been abusing children for the intervening 30 years. And he had also been discovered as an abuser by the diocese about two months after he abused me. And he was taken out of the hospital and just put into another parish. The abusing priest had admitted his abuse to the diocese. He'd admitted he'd abused me and others. But the diocese wouldn't cooperate with the police. They did everything to protect him. They wouldn't take him out of his parish in the beginning onto the police but got involved. And at that time, he was actually mentoring 12-year-olds in the local school. And that's what really made me become active and campaign was the fact that at the same time as they were refusing to do anything to help me get justice or to see that this man was not allowed to uh, be in a position where he could abuse children, they were telling the public that they were doing everything exactly according to their guidelines and their policy and that they were doing exactly everything according to the book and it wasn't true. I asked the Archbishop, why are you not following me? Because in 1996, there was a guideline policy document in the church here. And I asked him why he wasn't following it. And he said he didn't have to because it had no power in canon law or in civil law, so he could ignore it. In 2014, Mari Collins was appointed by Pope Francis to the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors. Together with lay and ordained experts from around the world, they made recommendations for responding to the abuse crisis. They were initially accepted by Pope Francis, but then never fully implemented by the Curia. Mari continues to bear witness as a survivor and advocate. I'm not a regularly practicing Catholic. I still have my faith in God, I still have my faith in Jesus Christ, and I believe in the teachings of Christ. I don't have any faith whatsoever in the institution or church. Deliver Us is produced by America Media in collaboration with Spoke Studios. I'm Maggie Van Dorn, your host and an executive producer with Eric Sandra. Our producers are Sarah Esikoff, Rebecca Seidel, and Eloise Blondio, with assistance in concept and story development from Sam Sawyer and Carrie Weber. Promotion and outreach from Amber Smith. Production help from Kieran Freeman. Our sound design is by Rebecca Seidel. Our music was composed and produced by Chris McCormick. This episode was written and produced by Sarah Esikoff.
If you've been sexually assaulted, you can get confidential support 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. The number for the hotline is 800-656-HOPE. That's 800-656-4673. You can also visit www.rain.org. That's www.rain.org. If you are reporting sexual abuse from Catholic clergy or looking for support from the church, you can also contact your diocese victim assistance coordinator. Contact information for each diocese is available at usccb.org forward slash VAC.